there and one of the pastors here. Happy New Year. We are so excited you have joined us for worship. We uh, ask now that you would prepare for your attendance. In the pews, there are attendance pads. If you would fill out your attendance pass, pass that down to your neighbor and make a new friend, we would greatly appreciate you recording your attendance. Those of you that are online, we invite you to use the platform that is online and we welcome our Cisco Fellowship this morning as well. Would you now join me as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship? And now will you please stand and join me in our call to worship. Joy comes to those who hope in God, for the Lord is a keeper of promises. Our God is a God of healing and help and hope. All will be well. Our God will keep faith with all generations. Let's praise the Lord, both now and forevermore. And now will you please join me in the short prayer. God of power and might, you sent prophets to your people, calling us back to your covenant and teaching us your ways. In the fullness of time, you sent us your son, Jesus, teaching with such authority that our eyes were open to see our ways anew. Open our hearts and minds that we might understand and proclaim your teachings for all to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now please remain.
One of the things we do as a community of faith is affirm our beliefs together. The affirmation is the Apostles' Creed is on page 881 in your hymnal. Please join me now as we affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. No, this is a little unorthodox, but uh, she came to me, so I'm going to keep it because she normally doesn't. So, <laughs> so baptism is a sacred time for our life as a family, but then also for the congregation. So this morning, I now invite Brooklyn Kate uh, to come forward with her parents, Trevor and Tiffany McDougall. <clears throat> baptism is a sign of God's mercy and love reminding us that we all come into this relationship with God on the basis of nothing we've done, but rather on the basis of God's acceptance and gracious invitation of love to us. Children have a very special place among the people of God. Remember that little children, <laughs> let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for such as these is born belong to the kingdom of God. Boy, I'm rattled now. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Every baptism is a sacred time in the life of the entire church family, but some baptisms do have an extra level of family connection. Not only did Brooklyn's father uh, experience confirmation at this church, grow up at this church, not only were her parents married at this church and her sister baptized at the church, but she also has a grandmother who pastors at this church. And I think it's only appropriate that I ask Pastor Phyllis to assist me with today's baptism. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, repent of evil power and of the world, and, if you, and repent of your sins? <laughs> do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever form they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in the grace and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with Christ's church that is open to all people of all ages, nations, and races? Will you nurture Brooklyn Kate and Christ's holy church that by your teachings and examples she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself to profess her faith openly and to lead a Christian life. Okay. It's always the honor of privilege of the parents to give their Christian name to their child. What name do you give her? Brooklyn. All right. Will you come? Oh, for a minute. Okay, that's all I need, baby. Oh, 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 Brooklyn. Look, Brooklyn, look at the water. Yes. Brooklyn Kate. I baptize thee in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, will y'all come and put your hands in place on her? Oops. There you go. Got it. There you go. 
May the Holy Spirit come upon you, and we ask that you be filled with grace and that through the work of the Holy Spirit, you may become a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. She really didn't glance touching her. So, it is my honor and my privilege to introduce to you one of our newest uh, members of this church and Christ Holy Church, that this is Brooklyn Kate, a very special baby to me, obviously, but special to all of us. So I ask you now as a congregation, will you lead youth groups, go on mission trips, teach Sunday school, do all those things that we pledge to be where we can nurture these children and bring them up in the faith. So please join me what's on the screen as we make our pledge. With God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that Brooklyn Kate, surrounded by steadfast love, may be established in faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way to life eternal. Amen. I'd like to invite the children to come down for our time together. Kids, come join me. Just made it. Well, you want to see a magic trick? All right, cool. Because if you said no, I didn't know what I was going to do. All right, ready? All right, hang on. All right, let's see. Get ready. Get ready to be amazed and astounded. See it levitating? Isn't it amazing? They're stunned. <laughs> so it's a magic trick, but I wanted to say that there's a difference between magic tricks and miracles. And a magic trick is something that a person does to trick the senses into believing things that aren't, like that I can make a fork levitate when it's really just that. Yeah. But miracles, well, those are something different. Miracles are acts of God that can inspire us to believe things that we, we couldn't even see, like love or hope or the Holy Spirit. And uh, you know, back in, in Bible times, I used to want to live during the Bible times so much, during the time of miracles, when th there seemed to be miracles happening all the time that were just physical and real and right there. The, these wonderful acts of God that seem to go against the laws of nature or science and were just astounding. But God didn't perform miracles so that we'd believe in God. God, God, you know, I don't answer to God and God doesn't need to do anything to impress me. But I'm just, when I think about all those miracles, one of the things I think about is how they almost always started with an act of faith by a person we're going to be exploring a lot of the miracles of Jesus, and there's so many great miracles of Jesus that just seem to defy logic, like when he fed 5,000 people. But it started with an act of faith. It started with one child who believed that his five little loaves of bread and two fish in the hands of Jesus could make a difference for 5,000 people. And a miracle happened and it did make a difference. We're gonna explore a miracle next week about four friends who have another friend who can't move and they believe that if they take their friend to Jesus, 
Jesus will be able to do something for their friend, and they're right, because they, that faith. So what I think is, it's faith plus the power of God is what equals the possibility for miracles. And I think that's what's so great about our faith and coming here to church, is we can see possibilities. And sometimes I wonder what things that are around right now that people back in Bible times would have thought, oh, I wish I could have lived in the future during that time of miracles. Think about a, like a shot, like a, and I know no one likes getting a shot. Ouch, everybody go, ouch. But those shots, the, they, there are diseases that people lived with and didn't live with for hundreds and thousands of years. And they would, people in Bible times would look at that shot as a miracle. Or how about this, when, when, someone, when your neighbor's house is burning, who do you call? Who do you call? The firefighters, the fire department, they come in a fire truck to help put out that fire. Do you think people who lived in Bible times would think a fire truck is a miracle? Or a symphony orchestra? There are so many miracles all around us if we have the eyes to see, if we have the faith to believe, and we trust in God and the power of God. Amen. If you'd like to come join us upstairs, come meet me right there at that door. Good morning. My name is Thane Arthur. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition, and I invite you to read along in your own Bible or one of the pew Bibles in front of you. The scripture is on page 35 in the New Testament of the pew Bible. Hear the word. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching? with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. God speaks to us through the reading of Scripture. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Thane. Before we consider today's scripture reading and today's message, I want to say words of gratitude and thanks to all the people who make church possible every Sunday. I want to thank our wonderful music ministry. I want to thank our guest organist, Kyla Rosenberger, for leading us this morning. I want to thank everyone on the tech team, our hospitality crew, folks that are leading discipleship ministries with children and youth and with adults all over our church. I appreciate your work so much. My name is Lance Marshall. I'm the senior pastor here at the First United Methodist Church of Fort Worth. And we are using something called a lectionary to guide our scripture readings in our worship services over the course of the year. This is our second year of using something called the narrative lectionary, which beginning in the fall walks us through Hebrew Bible, Old Testament stories of the very foundation of who God is and God's purposes for creation, God's covenant relationship with humanity, and then following Christmas, now lead us into the work, into the ministry of Jesus. And these scripture readings are picked out in advance by the people who form the lectionary to make sure that the incredibly important pieces of scripture are covered. And one of the reasons I like using a lectionary is that as the preacher, it sends me in some places I might not otherwise choose to go, but that are important. 
I've chosen my own scriptures for sermon series a great number of times, and you wouldn't be surprised to know that a lot of times in January, I have sermon series and scripture readings that are about new beginnings and resolutions and fresh starts and all of those kind of things. So it was very interesting to pull open the list of scripture readings coming back from Christmas and going, okay, time to dive back into it. What do we have first week back? Demons and exorcism. Awesome. Give the people what they want. <laughs> At the same time, though, you might not realize it. I'm glad that we are because this scripture reading has a real message of hope and of good news for us in our everyday lives. And I'll, I'll get to that in the course of the sermon. But as I was reflecting on it and praying over it over the course of this week, it reminded me of an experience in my life that I've really never told anybody about. Up until the 9.30 service this morning, I had never told anybody, a friend, my wife even, not because it's secret or bad, it just, you know, had never come up. And it, it's a story from two years ago this week, actually. It was exactly two years ago this week. I was on a three-day silent spiritual retreat at a retreat center about half an hour away, a three-day silent retreat. And there's some prayer, there's worship, there's spiritual direction, but you know, for almost every single moment of those three days, there's no talking. And I was having a great spiritual experience. I was having uh, a really positive experience of kind of stepping away from the busyness of everyday life and digging into my own self, my own soul. Where am I at? What do I need to hear from Jesus? I had a really excellent time of looking back in my journals and seeing my reflections, experiencing the grace of Christ, the good news of Christ, kind of what Christ needed to say to me in that moment. And it was just an awesome time. And I was talking to nobody. Mwah! Loved it. It was great. And then late in that second day, something happened. I was in my room, and it's not even as big as a hotel room. At this retreat center, it's, it's like a quarter the size of a normal hotel room. There's nothing there except a twin bed and a small recliner and a desk, and that's it. And I was in that recliner, and it had been a really intense time of praying and reflecting and journaling over the course of these multiple days. And again, I'm having a great experience, just so much positivity. And it's in the middle of the afternoon, and I'm by myself. I've talked to no one for days. I've consumed no media. I haven't been in the middle of any meaningful interactions with any other people. It's a really solo experience. And then out of nowhere, in the midst of that time of prayer and reflection and meditation by myself in this retreat center, I am overcome by negative feelings. All of a sudden, I am at a level of 10 out of 10 emotionally with anger and frustration, disappointment, depression. I am all of a sudden just consumed with these feelings. And I'm someone who experiences anger, frustration, depression, anxiety, these negative kind of feelings. And this was different. This was extremely strong and extremely acute. It just all of a sudden overwhelmed me in that moment. And I've gone in that moment from feeling so positive and so good, so encouraged, so loved, so connected spiritually, to all of a sudden just consumed with anger and frustration over all of the things in my life that are wrong, over all of the ways I've been wronged, over all of the times I've put myself and time and energy into places that were just unfruitful or worse. And more than anything, what I remember is the incredibly strong urge to get up and to leave, to quit, to go away from that time and that place. I just wanted to get. This went on for three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, and I kept trying to refocus. You know, if you ever tried to meditate, you know, and you kind of find your, your mind kind of jumping away, and you try to get back, and I just, I just couldn't. I'm trying to, like, put these things out of my mind. You're having a good time. You're having a positive experience. And I couldn't just reorient my mind. I couldn't just put it away. I couldn't get over it. I couldn't calm myself down. And so in the midst of that solo time and place, I just prayed. And I didn't remember this, but I went back and I read my journal, my recount that I wrote later that afternoon of what had happened. And I had felt moved to pray in the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I was lifting up what's happening. I'm, I'm feeling overcome. I'm feeling overwhelmed by this negativity, this negative energy, these thoughts, these emotions, these feelings. Please remove this from me. Please heal me. Please stop this. Please undo this. I don't know what this is. Make this go away. And in my journal, I said, over the course of the next minute or so, 
all of that negativity and that hostility left. And the word that I wrote in my journal, that I went back and reread this week, was it felt like removal, like something being removed. That's what I wrote. So my question to you this morning is, what happened in that room that day? Well, I don't know. It was great seeing you all this morning. Thank you for being here. <laughs> We're going to get out real early. Our scripture reading this morning might seem like it's about the demonic or negative spiritual forces and entities. And while they're featured in this scripture text, that's not what it's about. It's about authority. It's about authority. It's about power. It's about strength. What's happening in Mark's gospel is that Jesus has begun his ministry of proclaiming the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the rule of God, the way of God that is breaking into the world, that is at hand, that he has come to proclaim to people, and it is profoundly good news. And it's different, and it's challenging, and it causes people to doubt whether it is he knows what he's talking about, whether it is he's a reliable source, someone in whom they can put their faith. And in the midst of telling all of these stories, he's not just teaching like a teacher does, but he's showing that he has real power. He's showing that he can make change. He's showing that he can change the natural world around him with bread and loaf and weather. He's showing that he can heal bodies. He's showing that he can make people go from illness to wellness just with his presence, with his touch. And he's showing that people who have been consumed by negative spiritual forces and energies through him can experience deliverance and change, wholeness and wellness. He's showing that nothing is beyond his power. And it's so interesting Whenever we talk about negative spiritual influences, all the stuff that brings up uh, obstacles to us hearing or engaging with those topics, you know, pop culture and media hasn't done us any favors. It's all been so sensationalized or made so difficult to engage with. We feel like, well, I've never seen anyone walk backwards on their hands and feet or spit out green pea soup, so I guess I've never experienced anything like that. The truth is we can have a perspective that shapes the way we experience the world. My goal for today's message is a simple goal. I just want you to understand yourself as a spiritual being, and I want you to understand that you are open to spiritual influences, and those include things beyond just yourself and the people around you. You know, when I ask, what happened that day in that room? If you've got a 100% materialist worldview, you would say, well, everything that happened in that room with you, Lance, that day can be explained psychologically. Right? You've said it yourself. You're a guy who experiences anxiety, depression, anger, frustration, and you were having a good couple days in this place of warmth and safety and spiritual goodness, but at the same time, that other stuff is at work in your life, and it just broke through and boiled over in that moment, but you reoriented yourself around the things that give you comfort and peace, and you began to feel better. See, it's a 100% psychological explanation. That's all you need to know. You could very easily be the kind of person who says, actually, no. You are a man who's given yourself over to the grace of God as best you are able, who continues to orient God's work and God's purpose with everything you are as best you are able. And in that moment, in a time of deep prayer and reflection, in a time of deep worship and openness to the Holy Spirit, you were experiencing renewal and recommitment, not only to your own discipleship, but to a life of ministry for the purposes of trying to be an agent of proclaiming the good news of Christ's salvation to thousands of people for decades. And so what better moment for an agent of negative spiritual influence to do anything it could to try to take that momentum and that energy away. And invoking the power of Christ through Father and the Holy Spirit, you were delivered and rescued from that moment. What better explanation than that? All of us are going to have a lens that shapes the way that we see that. You know, some people are so materialist, they'll read every word in Scripture and say, no matter what's happening, no matter what the writer says occurred, no matter what Jesus said was happening, every single thing that happened in modern day and in the scripture stories can be 100% explained with our psychological understandings of mental illnesses or anything along those lines. 
Other people have a completely different perspective. They say, not only in scriptural times, but in the world today, everything can be explained by our understanding of the demonic, right? Anger, demonic. Depression, demonic. Frustration, demonic. Strife, demonic. Someone takes your parking space, demonic. Bad call on fourth down, demon, get him out of here. Like anything, I think one extreme or another extreme can cause us to lose sight of our incredibly complicated world. What I ask you to consider today, if you've never considered it before, is that you are a spiritual being. You are an eternal spiritual being, having a short-term physical experience. And as a spiritual being, you are open to spiritual influences. The vast majority of the time, that is the positive spiritual influence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life directly, at work in your life through positive agents like we see in the scripture readings over the course of Christmas, or at work through the lives of other people around you through whom the Holy Spirit is blessing, redeeming, and restoring. I also want you to consider the testimony of the people around you and the people who've gone before you for thousands of years who say that there seem to be defiling spirits of influence as well. That's the word that's used in the original Greek. It's not called an evil spirit. It's called an unclean spirit or a defiling spirit. If something is holy and good, that means it's pleasing to God and in line with God's purposes. The original word in Greek that's translated in this scripture reading as unclean could also be read as defiling, meaning the more influence it has, the more purchase it has, the more ugly the thing it's influencing becomes. I ask you to consider the fact that you are a spiritual being and you are open to spiritual influence. You may be asking yourself, yeah, yeah, I, I don't really think I believe and unclean spirits. I don't really think I'm convinced about the reality of defiling spirits. And my answer to you is, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. It's just a line of agency, right? I mean, you might be the kind of person who says, in our home, there will be no Harry Potter books. Witchcraft, sorcery, etc. No, sir, not allowed. And if you're one of those kind of people, I absolutely understand. Personally, I've never seen anyone possessed by the spirit of Hufflepuff. So I have very little anxiety about Harry Potter. But I'll tell you, my line's not too much farther. Tarot, Ouija boards, psychics and palm readers, anything that has as its center the idea of there's stuff out there with wisdom and influence that we can just try to tap into, for me, uh uh, no way. You might say to yourself, Lance, you're just superstitious. I really liked you. You had me with those quantum theory sermons. I thought you were a modern man, but I guess not. My answer to you is, okay. Imagine you're on vacation, and you go to a bed and breakfast, and the proprietor is showing you up to your room, and you walk through the door, and in the corner there's a chair, and on that chair is a big doll. And you say, hey, uh... What's the deal with that doll in the chair in the corner? And the proprietor says, oh, yeah, yeah. I just got that not too long ago at an estate sale. It's a couple hundred years old, and I've noticed the, the eyes kind of follow you around the room. Yeah, anyway, I got it from a family who uh, all died in a house fire, but the doll was fine. So anyway, have a good night. Are you staying in that room? No, you're in a best western so fast. Come on, modern person of science, be real. You know, when people talk about the concept of unclean spirits, people so often want to immediately go to, okay, well, what's, where's the home of unclean spirits, and, and how do they get you, and where are they, you know. What I think is much more important is to reflect on what is it like to experience spiritual influence. What's it like to experience spiritual influence? Because the vast majority of your experiences will be positive. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life so often. Everything that we do here as a church that guides you in the pathway of discipleship 
teaching you how to worship and pray, give and serve and learn and be a blessing to other people is all about tuning you into the ways the Holy Spirit is at work in your life so that you can finally see and recognize how much the Holy Spirit is blessing and shaping. And because the Holy Spirit desires to be known, it makes perfect sense. Once you get a chance to see and realize, you realize the Holy Spirit of God is at work in your life all the time. Defiling spirits don't desire to be known, don't desire to be identified, right? The desire is that you would, on your own, walk away from everything that God is inviting you towards. I'm a person who could share with you hundreds of examples of knowing and experience and pointing to positive works of the Spirit in my life. I've spent decades paying attention and becoming attuned to that. And upon all my reflection over the course of the week, when I was trying to think about negative spiritual influence in my life, I could only think of one occasion. But is that really the only temptation I've ever faced? Is that really the only negative influence I've ever experienced? I don't think so. When we're trying to determine in our lives, is this good? Is this place good? Are these people good? Is this understanding good? Is this understanding of God good? Is this practice good? One of the ways I teach people to reflect on it is to ask the question, well, where is it going? What's the next step? What's the byproduct? What's the end outcome of this? When we talk about saints in the life of the church, we don't talk about people who are morally perfect or better than anybody else. We just talk about people who've made a point of opening their lives to the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. And their lives bear the marks and the fruits of the Spirit. When they're at work opening themselves to the Spirit of God, I'm going to shoot the fruits of the Spirit onto that screen. Ah. When people live a life open to the fruits of the Spirit, they become transformed. Their life becomes saturated with it. Their life bears the hallmark of love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They've so opened themselves up to, they've so received and dwelled in the influence, the positive work of the Spirit, that their life has been transformed in these ways that are exactly in accordance with who God would have you be. They're spiritual beings open to spiritual influence, and those influences have shaped them in this way, and it's so good. When I was reflecting over the course of this week, I looked at this scripture reading, and I thought, well, these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. What would be the fruits of the defiling spirits that we see referenced in scripture over and over again? What would be the fruits, what would be the outcome of defiling spirits, if you were to dwell in them, if you were to open yourself up to them constantly, if you were to follow where they would lead, what kind of life would you have? What kind of person would you be? What's the outcome? So instead of love, there's loathing. Instead of joy, there's fury. Instead of peace, there is hostility. Instead of kindness, cruelty, greed, disloyalty, violence, and overindulgence. None of us wakes up one day and finds ourselves full of loathing and fury and hostility. None of us just decides to be a person who's cruel, greedy, disloyal, violent, who takes the things that are good in life and so overdoes it that it makes us sick. But we're tempted that way, and we're led that way, and we walk those steps day by day until one day we look up and we're so far gone, we wonder if there's any reason for hope left. And it may not surprise you to know that the answer for them and for us always is Jesus. Not just his teachings, 
which who point out that the entire purposes of this life is to love God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. And if this thing that you're doing or this person that you're spending time with or this place that you've come to be or this theology or this belief or this practice leads you anywhere other than that, then it's not for you. That is your source of hope. And it's not just the teachings of Jesus, but it's the model of Jesus who shows us that it's about opening your life in prayer, in worship, in connection, in goodness. He gives us the model for what it does to actually experience that spirit in your life. But the hope lies not just in the teachings and not just in the model, but in the power of Christ, whom this scripture reading shows us has the power to heal, to restore, to redeem, and to reconcile anybody anywhere, no matter how far gone they are. There's never a reason to give up. No one is too far lost. No one is too consumed. No one is too laid low. No one is too destroyed. No one is beyond his power. I'm a spiritual being, open to spiritual influences, just like you are. Every day I do my best, recognizing that I am what I surround myself with. Who am I surrounding myself with? What am I surrounding myself with? What am I listening to? Whom am I following and where are they leading me? I'm going back to that same retreat center this week for another silent retreat. I can't wait. I may ask for another room. <laughs> but when I go there, and when I go anywhere, I go knowing that I follow the Holy Spirit of God and that that power is always enough. Let us pray. Great and loving God, help us to have the humility. Help us to have the openness to recognize that we are spiritual beings open to spiritual influence. Lord, help us to surround ourselves with those things, those people, those places, those practices, those understandings that are good for us, that fill us with the fruits of your Holy Spirit. Lord, wherever we find ourselves astray, restore us to your right path. And it's the name of Christ that we all trust and that we pray and say, amen. We are grateful for the many ways in which you bless our church with your generosity. One of those ways in which you bless us is through our Friends Breakfast Ministry, and we want to say thank you for your giving. We served 1,626 meals to over 60 friends living or experiencing homelessness or in need of a hot meal every Sunday morning. And so we say thank you for all that you have done through this ministry. We invite our ushers to now come. This month, every single dollar bill will go to our mission to supply infant formula. Let us pray. Great and loving God, we thank you for your generosity to us. May you continue to give to us that we may continue to transform the lives of others. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
You may be seated. Well, in the spirit of full transparency, the Holy Spirit got a little bit of a hold of me during the sermon, and we're a little bit behind. So hear this briefer liturgy for communion. As I invite forward all those who will be assisting with the service of communion today to please come forward, know that Christ our Lord invites to his table all who desire to repent of their sins and to be in relationship with him. On the day in which he was to give himself up for us, he took a loaf of bread, gave thanks over the bread, broke it and passed it and said, take all of you and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal was over, he took a cup of ordinary table wine, gave thanks over the wine, blessed it and passed it, gave it to them and said, take all of you and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in partaking in the bread and the cup, we have a chance to experience the presence of Christ, the transforming grace of the Holy Spirit in us and through us now and every time in which we partake. This is not the First United Methodist Church's table. This is Christ's table. Like his love, like his grace, it is available for all people here today. In just a moment, you're going to be invited to come forward to the front rail by our ushers who will be releasing you beginning in the rear. As you come forward, I invite you to kneel as you are able with your hands held open. A piece of bread or a gluten-free wafer, if you desire, will be placed into your hand, followed by a cup of non-alcoholic grape juice. As you eat the bread and drink the juice, I invite you to remain at the railing for prayer or to head back up the outside aisles where you can place your now-empty juice cup before returning to your seat. For those of you who are in the balcony, of course, you're welcome to come down to the railing on the front. We'll also have a station for you available up in the eastern corner. Now, as forgiven children of God, will you please join me as we pray the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The table is set. The meal is ready. Please come forward as the ushers release you.
come to the close of our service, and then the time of the close of our service, let me go to the mic. We always have open to everyone. Our, uh, over here, if you're a visitor or a new person, we ask you to come to OnRamp. They have a gift for you, but most importantly, they wanna make sure that you find your place. You find a place for Sunday school, small groups, a way to be involved in the life of the church. And on my right over here, I have Marsha. She's gonna be praying with you. It's Congregational Care Ministry. If you have something on your heart today, let us go there. Let us pray with you. Our gathering will soon be ended. Where will we go and what will we do? May grace, peace, hope, love, and joy forever accompany you. Amen. Thank you.